Hey there, and welcome to Season 3 of the All About Everest podcast, and I am your host, Pauline Reynolds-Nuttall. So excited for a brand new season and to see what 2024 brings. This year will be bigger and better than any year before it, so sit back and listen to all things Mount Everest. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the All About Everest podcast. Today's episode is all about not necessarily famous, but the more well-known bodies that remain on Mount Everest. There are over 200 bodies that remain on the mountain for a variety of reasons, and that is the topic of today's episode. But before I get into that, there's just a couple of things that I wanted to go over really quick. First of all, I wasn't even sure if I was going to record today. All of the kids have been sick. They keep bringing stuff home from school, and my throat has been super scratchy and burny and itchy, and my throat hurt so bad this morning that I wasn't even sure that I would even be able to talk because I talk all day long, and then when I get home at the end of the day, you know, doing the podcast, that's even more talking. And then the other reason why I didn't almost record today is that I started a new book. And you guys, I have mentioned this book and no, it's not the one that's on its way to me from Guam. I mentioned this book last week and I believe the week before. It's the new book that's coming out this year. It's being released on April 16th. You can pre-order it. It is the book Everest Inc. The Renegades and Rogues Who Built an Industry at the Top of the World by Will Cockrell. You guys, I wish I had seen it earlier, but apparently I had an email sitting in my email asking me if I wanted to read and review this book. And I didn't see it until today. So I feel really bad because I have been looking forward to this book for months now. You guys, I really don't want to put it down. I'll talk more about it next week, but I will tell you it is unlike any of the other books that you've read. I'm only a couple of chapters in, but I was immediately hooked at the very beginning, even in the introduction, because Will Cockrell makes a point that most of the books about Mount Everest are about the tragedies and the triumphs. There's no in-between. And his book isn't about Mount Everest. It's about the mountaineering industry and Mount Everest. And as I was flipping through it, I ended up at the back and there's a list of all of the people who are mentioned in the book. And I recognized all of them. And not only that, I have interviewed quite a few of them. So I'll let you guys know what I think of it. You can pre-order it on Barnes & Noble, Amazon. It's available April 16th. And again, next week, I'll let you guys know what I think. But so far, it is unlike any of the other books I have read on Mount Everest, which I think I've read all of them or close to. And I'm really enjoying it so far. There's a little bit of humor in it. Um, not a lot of surprises if you're familiar with Mount Everest, but I like 
how we're kind of digging into this history of why Everest is the Everest that we know today, because we don't really know Mount Everest as the mountain. We know it as what it has been created by the mountaineering industry. An Everest update that will be interesting to follow is that today the Sagarmatha Pollution Control Committee, the SPCC, announced that it's going to be required that anyone going up the mountain must take with them a WAG bag. This has been mentioned multiple times. Alan Arnett talks about it constantly. And there is a huge problem on Mount Everest when it comes to human waste. It's been suggested multiple times that people climbing the mountain should do their business in what's called a wag bag. And essentially, it's a bag that you do your business in. There's chemicals in it. When you're done, you seal it and then you carry it back down because you can't really dig a cat hole on Mount Everest and waste does not disintegrate or decompose like it does at lower elevations. It's been talked about it for years. People have talked about, you know, not only the human waste problem, but also trash in general. And so it appears that they are going to require operators and climbers to take with them wag bags this year. They also said that it's going to be regulated. And when it comes to Mount Everest, it's hit and miss when it comes to policies because there really isn't someone who regulates a, a lot of these rules that they have. I do hope that it is a rule that is that is followed, um, that they impose fines, something. There was no fines mentioned, only that they would be checking to make sure that people brought down wag bags. And I would not want to be the person at those checkpoints checking those wag bags. It's, yeah, no, not for me. For those of you that follow along on Spotify, there's a, this awesome feature that they have, which hopefully they keep it because they're going through a lot of changes, but they allow Q&A at the end of every episode and polls. And I've brought it up before, but there were a couple that I had asked recently that I thought were interesting. Um, it's also how I get feedback from you guys and how you guys tell me what else you want to hear about. So I really appreciate it when you interact. It really helps me provide better episodes. So just a couple of the poll questions that I've had. Uh, last episode was, do you think that this year will be there will be less deaths on Everest than the year before? And 100% was no. People are thinking that 2024 is going to be even more deadlier than the year before. Do you think 2024 will be safer on Mount Everest? 58.3% said no. 41.7% said yes. What is the most important question you should ask a guiding company? 
and whether or not they have ever risked anyone's safety for profit, employees or clients, that doesn't matter. What topic would you like future episodes to be about? Explain some of the gear Mountaineers use, like what a crampon is, what they use to protect themselves and why. Also, technical gadgets they use to communicate and forecast the weather. That is actually an episode that I am currently working on. I'm trying to find the right person. I would love to interview someone that I have not interviewed before, but it's highly likely it will be someone that I've already interviewed just because I think that for that subject, you need someone that is pretty well known in the mountaineering community, but has a lot of different experience. So again, I love when you guys interact and please continue to do so. Also, you guys may notice in the next couple of months some changes maybe to the audio, maybe how quickly episodes are posted. So Spotify is going through some changes. They've changed a lot of their features for podcasters, and I'm really not sure how it's going to look like. It may be harder to upload episodes, or I may even have to switch to a completely different platform when it comes to distribution. So if you see anything funky in the next couple of months, it could be because of that. And last but not least, before I forget, I do have several interviews coming up. A lot of you have asked that I do interviews with people who are going to be climbing this year, even if they're not well known. So I've got that in the pipeline. You may have seen my posts in some of the Everest groups. And also, I am looking to find a mountaineering expert to explain all of the technical gear. I think they could do it a lot better than I could. I know I can, but they would probably explain it a lot better. And next week's episode is going to be about Everest documentaries. It was requested by several of you listeners last week. Um, so I pre really appreciate that. I'm putting together a, a complete list of every single documentary. And I didn't realize how extensive it actually was because it starts in the early 1920s. When I said 20s, I had to think about it for a second because we're already in 2024. So over 100 years ago, they created the first documentary about Everest. So on to today's episode, some of the deceased individuals that are more well known that lie on Mount Everest. So here we go. There are over 200 dead bodies on Mount Everest, and anyone who is climbing the mountain, they are well aware of the risks of not only that they could die on Mount Everest, but that it would be almost impossible to retrieve their body. There's several reasons why it is hard to bring a body back down. The first one is finding the body. So many people have disappeared on the mountain that have fallen down crevasses that have disappeared in storms or in avalanches there are those that 
just disappeared and no one even knows how they died or where they died only that they were never seen again so the first problem is finding the body the second is it's extremely difficult to bring down a body especially if someone dies in the death zone which is anything above 8,000 meters anyone who is going up there to retrieve a body puts themselves at risk and their entire team because Mount Everest is probably the most dangerous mountain to climb in the world and because of altitude sickness because of that all of that energy that's being used for them to climb it's even harder to bring something heavy down dead bodies in mount everest they weigh a lot more they are frozen solid and a lot of the times there's no way to if they're in the snow you can't dig them out because they've become part of the landscape in the documentary last year finding michael we learned a little bit more about why it is so difficult to bring down someone's corpse from mount everest and i'm going to talk about michael matthews and maybe you'll better understand why it was so difficult it has been 100 years since george mallory and sandy irvine attempted Mount Everest and they died on the mountain and their bodies are some of the most famous ones that are left up there still. I'm going to talk about the 10 most famous dead bodies on Mount Everest in today's episode. The first name on the list, of course, is that of George Mallory. He has been gone for over a hundred years and he died on June 8th, 1924. His body was discovered 75 years later by Conrad Anker and his crew. Other people had searched for George Mallory's body before, but they had never found it until Conrad Anker and his team were able to discover George Mallory's body. At first, they thought it was Sandy Irvine, but at a closer look, inside the shirt there was a tag that said george mallory and they were able to determine that that's who it was um a couple notable things about the body was that the ankle appeared to have been injured and george mallory had rope tied around his waist that appeared to have been cut or broken it's unknown how george died and nobody knows if it was on the way up or the way down. His body is no longer visible and its whereabouts are unknown to the public in general. The second name on the list, obviously, is that of Andrew Sandy Irvine, and he was climbing with George Mallory, and he also died on June 8th, 1924 reason unknown and his body has never been found george mallory took sandy with him on this expedition because even though sandy didn't have a lot of mountaineering experience 
he was very mechanically inclined. He was a tinker, inventor, and he just had a way with machinery and mechanics. And so he had really improved on the oxygen apparatus that they were using. And that is why George Mallory brought Sandy Irvine with him was because Sandy knew about this apparatus, had made improvements to it. And at the time, they thought that the only way to reach the top of this unclimbable mountain would be with bottled oxygen. George Mallory and Sandy Irvine, they held the record for a really long time for getting the highest up than anybody else for the longest time. Sandy Irvine was carrying the Kodak camera with him, this infamous camera. And if he is ever found, because essentially that's who everyone was looking for, not necessarily Mallory. They were looking for Sandy Irvine in this camera to prove that maybe that they had reached the top of Mount Everest. If his body is found in that camera is found, then maybe they'll be able to determine if they reached the top or not, which it's highly unlikely just kind of based on what type of clothing they were wearing and also the whereabouts of where they found George Mallory's body. The conspiracy theory is that the Chinese found the body, found the camera and hid them elsewhere just in case George Mallory and Sandy reached the top because they wanted to be the first ones to reach the top of Mount Everest from the Tibetan side. I don't know. Maybe we'll never, ever have that answer. The third person on this list is Hannah Laura Schmatz. She died in the fall climbing season of Mount Everest on October 2nd, 1979. She was from Germany and she was the fourth woman to summit Mount Everest. She was the first woman and the first German citizen to die on Mount Everest. She was on an expedition with her husband and a couple other people and she collapsed on the way down. She was just so exhausted that she and her Sherpa decided to biovac on the slopes and she sat down. She said, water, water, and just died. And her poor Sherpa was so traumatized. Her body is well known on Mount Everest because for years it was visible and it may very well be still visible. I'm not sure it is now skeletal remains because of the wind and the weather and for it being almost 50 years. But she fell asleep leaning on her backpack and for the longest time people just thought it was someone that was just resting and then later they mistook her remains for being a tent. Uh, in 1984, there was a group that tried to bring her down and recover her body but they were unable to do that. 
The next three names are from the 1996 Everest disaster. All three of them died between May 11th and 12th in 1996. Rob Hall, his remains are still left on the mountains. He was the owner and the expedition leader from Adventure Consultants. And the reason that he died besides the extreme weather and besides reaching the top of Mount Everest so late in the day was because he had a climber on his team that he really wanted him to be able to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Doug had climbed with Rob Hall the year before and he almost reached the top. He was just a couple hundred meters and Rob Hall made him turn around. Um, so Rob Hall really wanted Doug Hansen to reach the top. He helped him to the top and then on the way down, they both perished. Doug Hansen disappeared. Um, Rob Hall if you've seen the movie Everest or read any of the books, including the one by John Krakauer into thin air, he just couldn't make it down. Um, there were a series of events, lack of oxygen. And so his body is still on Mount Everest today. However, it is not visible. Scott Fisher also 1996 during the Everest disaster he died earlier in the day and they're really not sure what happened only that he had been feeling ill. Um, he'd gone down and then come back up and they're thinking it was some type of stomach sickness or altitude sickness that, uh, caused him to die on the mountain. His body is still there, but it is not visible from the main route. And then probably the most well-known body of all is the one of Green Boots. And that one is on the Tibetan side. Green Boots, also known as Sawing Paldor, also died during the 1996 Everest disaster. But he died on the Tibetan side of Mount Everest, whereas Rob Hall and his teammates, the died and Scott Fisher, they died on the Nepali side. And it was because of the blizzard and because of the weather. Essentially, um, he died with two others from his team. But the reason why everybody knows Sawing Paldor's name is because of his green boots. So no one really knows exactly what happened. Likely it was exhaustion or high altitude sickness. He crawled into this overhang and that is where he remained for many years. Um, it was mentioned in multiple documentaries and also in 2006, that's where David Sharp died was in green boots cave. This overhanging of rock 
where Cao Wang Paljor had died. As far as we know, his body is no longer there. But at least for 10, 15 years, his body was visible and people would even stop there to rest um, either on their way up or on their way down from the summit. The next body, and no one knows where this one is, is that of Marco Sifredi, who was a French snowboarder. And he decided that he was going to snowboard down Mount Everest. Marco Sofredi was 23 years old when he died. And he died on September 8th, 2002. He had a mountaineering background. His dad was a mountain guide. Um, he had lost a brother in a mountaineering accident when there was an avalanche. And he pretty much had been raised in the mountains and was, you could consider him a semi-professional snowboarder. He had, um, initially he was the very first person to snowboard all the way down from Mount Everest in 2001. He reached the top with help from Sherpas. He had his snowboard with him and then he snowboarded all the way down. And then in 2002, he decided to do it again, except he was going to do it along the Horn Bean Cooler. Um, the Everest season is usually the spring season, which is the beginning of May, maybe extending into the beginning of June and then the fall season is mid to late October and he decided that in September of 2022 he was going to climb Mount Everest and snowboard nobody knows what happened his body has never been found um all they know is that he somehow disappeared. There's not a lot of information about his death, only that because of weather conditions, they lost contact with him. Um, he had expressed that he was very, very, very tired. And that was the last that was heard of him. So it's very unfortunate. And again, no one has heard from him since. I was trying to do these in chronological order and apparently I missed two. I have no idea how that happened. But Marco Sofredi, he disappeared in September of 2002. Michael Matthews died in 1995 during the spring season his body has never been found and i had mentioned that at the beginning of this episode that if you can't find the body then how can you retrieve them and there's multiple reasons why a body can't be found it is possibly buried in an avalanche it could be someone fell into a crevasse or their whereabouts are just unknown maybe they lost contact along the way and so Michael Matthews, his brother in, I believe it was 2020, 
two because the documentary came out in 2023 spencer matthews decided to try to find his brother michael he had a whole crew with him he went with um nims day and they tried to find his brother i believe there was a previous expedition by bear grills that has not been um, everybody thinks it happened but there's no proof that it did it's never been authenticated but essentially multiple attempts have been made to find M michael matthew's body this whole documentary that came out in 2023 finding michael was the whole process it takes to not only search for someone who is deceased on mount everest but also to bring them down so spoiler alert if you haven't seen the documentary they do not find michael however they were able to identify someone else and uh, someone from the sherpa community his family didn't have the funds to even try to bring him down and so spencer matthews <coughs> instead agreed to have him brought down so his parents could have peace and closure and that his family could know what happened to him i think that the documentary really shows all of the reasons why someone would just leave their remains on mount everest but i also understand the side of the family that yes they want that closure and and they don't want their loved ones to be lost forever on a mountain, usually on the other side of the world. So I, I get that part of it as well. If you haven't seen the documentary, you should absolutely see it. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot about it and about the processes on Mount Everest. Another woman is on my list, Frances Arsentiev. She's also known as Sleeping Beauty. She is an American. She climbed Mount Everest and on the way down, she um, it was considered that she died from altitude sickness. Her body was visible for many, many years. Um, Anatoly Bukreve had climbed Mount Everest that season. Um, I'm sorry, not Anatoly Bukreve. Um, ah, oh, that guy from South Africa. What's his name? I know it's going to come to me. I mentioned him last time. I was kind of irritated. All right, I'm going to look it up and I'm not going to edit this out. <coughs> I had mentioned that in 1996, there were the leaders of the South African expedition team. Ian Woodall, that's who it is. See, I didn't even have to look him up. Kathy Dowd and Ian Woodall, they climbed Mount Everest in 1998. They found Frances in distress. They tried to revive her and even rescue her, and they were unable to do so. Frances Arsentiev is known as... <coughs> the sleeping beauty of Mount Everest. Her body was visible for many years. Um, and then I believe in 2006, don't quote me on that. 
um, a teddy bear was left with her body and it was moved off of the trail because she she died right there on the path on the way to the summit. All right, I went back and I looked at my notes in case I forgot to mention it. Frances Arsentiev died on May 24th, 1998. Ian Woodall, who, when Frances died in 1998, Ian and his partner, Kathy O'Dowd, they did stop and try to help her and revive her. And so in 2007, Ian Woodall had another Everest expedition. He called it the Tau of Everest. And two of his goals were to relocate the body of Arsentiev and also that of Green Boots, a.k.a. Tsawing Paljor, so that their bodies were no longer visible. He was successful in relocating France's Arsentiev's body, um, but not that of Green Boots. And it's believed that in 2014, um, a team was able to move Green Boots' body and he is no longer visible from the climbing path. Last but not least, and probably the most controversial death out of all of them, is that of David Sharp. So David Sharp died in 2006 on Mount Everest. He was signed up with a team, but essentially he climbed on his own with no support, <clears throat> no crew, and no oxygen. He did reach the top of Mount Everest. However, on the way down, he became uh, disoriented and most likely he was sick from altitude sickness. He had no oxygen with him because he was climbing with no O's. And he decided to rest in Green Boots Cave. And that is ultimately where he died. The controversial part behind all of it is that there were multiple teams that had passed him on the way up and on the way down. And people were called out for not helping him. Um, one of the teams that did pass him was that of Russell Bryce and there was a documentary about David Sharp's death dying for Everest. Um, Sir Edmund Hillary actually called out one of the climbers who was a double amputee and, asked him, well, why didn't you try to, to help him? Well, there were a lot of teams there and a lot of people who passed him. Some of them stopped, others didn't, but ultimately it came down to, there was just no way to bring him down without risking them themselves. And, um, he was beyond, he was beyond help. His body still remains on Mount Everest and it is not visible from the regular path. You cannot see it. And that is it, everybody, for today's episode. I'm sorry I sound like a hooker who's been smoking 20 boxes of Pall Mall a day. 
and drinking loads of vodka because that's kind of what my throat feels like. But I didn't want to let you guys down. I'm trying to be as consistent as possible. Next week's episode, unless um, I get a couple interviews in, will be 10 documentaries about Mount Everest. Uh, I don't even know which ones I'm going to pick because, like I said, there's a documentary, I want to say from 1920. It's over 100 years old and it's on my list. So how do you pick, how do you pick just one? So we'll see how that goes. Um, for those of you who listen on Spotify, please answer the poll questions and leave comments because it helps make this podcast more interesting, more interactive, and, you know, it helps you become part of the podcast when you answer those questions. And I absolutely love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I, again, I can't believe that we're I'm on my third year of doing this. Until next time, you guys, climb your own climb. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the All About Everest podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online on social media at Mama Bear Outdoors or All About Everest podcast. You can also email me directly, and I've included my contact information in the show notes. Until next time.